0: Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, your word is all there is, everything around us, we see in decay and collapse, but your word remains. And when everything else has passed away, including the heavens and the earth, your word will endure. So anoint your servant today. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal who you are in our hearts. And when we embrace your plans, when we embrace your will, there's always victory. You make us a glorious church. Thank you. For the power to overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Christian Center, you are walking with Jesus. And you ought to be thankful you are. The anointing of the Lord is upon your life. The Word of God is opened to you. Not only is it physically opened in this free culture where we can read it, it's opened to you by the Holy Spirit. The favor of God is upon your life. Your turnaround has begun. Anybody ready for that? And as you're walking in triumph, you're going to see others where you once were who are struggling or going through that season in their life. And then you see someone walking close to the edge of the cliff and they're choosing to sin. Sin is a choice. And then shame manifests. A disaster has occurred. Failure becomes evident. And God tells us he loves to restore the fallen. All of us are in this room today. We have victory today because our God is a restorer. And then he instructs us to do the same for one another. One translation with various Greek shades of meaning takes that passage and reads kind of like this. Lest one is overwhelmed with despair. It indicates, now is the time to restore the person who seeks forgiveness. Don't drown them in guilt. But the counsel I give you is to pour on God's restoration. The implication is, in the Greek is that there has been a displaced joint, dislocated. We're a body, and if there's a dislocation of a joint, it's painful. It hurts. I remember our coach treating a, uh, one of our athletes who dislocated his knee <laughs> and putting it back in place. Oh, my goodness. It hurts to dislocate it. It will hurt to set it back in place. But restoration produces sweet results, puts an end to the pain. Amen? The strategy of Satan can be summed up like this. Satan is the master at drawing us into sin. And once he's drawn you into sin, he loves to inwardly stamp indelible ink on your heart. He wants to get you to a place where you accept yourself as a failure your shame, your condemnation, the guilt, and he will tattoo failure onto your inward spirit. And once he draws you in and you've taken the bait, then Satan wants to permanently ink your spirit with that sin. So the failure causes you to constantly think of it, so you live your life filled with shame and regret. And you hear the voice of that black ink speaking loudly to you. You're beyond help. You're beyond hope. You're worthless. You're no good. You should be ashamed. You'll never amount to anything. You might as well cave into your sinfulness. You will never escape its power over you because sin has a voice. Satan's tactics for spiritual warfare include accusing you, attacking you, condemning you over and over and over again. He wants to use permanent ink stamped into your psyche. He wants to permanently ink your spirit so that you are marked by him. So you see yourself as a person of shame and you look at yourself as a failure, a person who has messed up, who's never going to recover. That's the scheme and battle plan of Satan against your life. Now, I'm not speaking about iniquity. I'm talking about sin. Iniquity This sin you repeat continuously. You embrace it. You look to engage it. The Word of God is speaking about one overcome, caught in a trap, deeply regretting the fact that he or she ignored the warnings of the Holy Spirit and walked straight into it. There are many places where you can go to get inked today, physically inked. Everywhere you look, somebody's got some ink on them today. Wonder how many of you have ink? We have any brave parts in here? <laughs> I've seen the ink. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen someone with an, a sleeve? You know what I mean? All the way down? You know. I was watching the quarterback for the 49ers, and I saw, you know, he's got these great sleeves. You ever see those? Don't, don't arms. Then I got really jealous because my son, you know, years ago got a tattoo. And look at my wife's face. She's, <laughs> she thought I was doing something else on Saturday, but, you know, I had a couple of other things in mind. That I just wanted to do, and that quarterback for the 49ers just... It's pretty, isn't it? It's fake! Just just wanted to be, you know, make sure your old timers didn't pass over onto the other side. We have a little problem in here. We do lay hands on the sick, and we do raise the dead, too. So some of you could use a little of that once in a while. Tattooing. You can ink your sleeve. You can ink on pictures. can ink on all kinds of depictions of various kinds. I mean, people even ink on Star Wars characters onto their bodies. It's unbelievable. It's a huge comeback in our culture today for people to get tattooed. He's getting... Probably Darth Vader tattooed on his back. So for a while, it dropped out of the, kind of kind of dropped out of the scene for a while. It wasn't as popular maybe a few years ago as it again is. China boasts the most tattoo parlors in the whole world. The process of getting tattooed is very interesting because of the top 20, 25 tattoos in popularity, the one called Born Loser, Born Loser is tattooed perhaps most predominantly. The stats provided say that more people choose the words born loser than other words to tattoo on. And when questioned, the tattoo artists, that you know, when they're looked at and, and they evaluate, why do people get tattoos and why is born loser so popular? They answered, what you have to understand is before the tattoo is inked on the body, it's already inked onto their mind. They're convinced in their minds that they're born losers. And the tattoo is what they've already accepted. This is acceptable. And what that tattoo does, it declares publicly what they believe privately. In pastoring for years, I've met a lot of people like this. Satan has tattooed their minds with a certain image of themselves. Shame, failure in life, that they can't ever succeed. They accept it. They accept inwardly, and it sabotages everything outwardly. It's a matter of time before whatever's in you shows up on the outside. When you believe something inwardly, eventually it will show up outwardly. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Born losers. And they have the attitude, if anyone is going to fail, I'll fail. If anyone's going to lose, I'm going to lose. If anything is going to get messed up and an opportunity that comes my way, I will blow the opportunity. I am born to lose. And you have permanently inked in your mind to take drugs over and over, to do certain specific things over repeatedly. Somewhere the enemy has used a permanent marker on your mind. And he says, this is forever, and this is the way it's going to be. You will never have a reason to escape the habits that you have formed or the drugs that you depend on because your life is one called born loser. You have to be permanently marked in your brain to drink bottle after bottle, day after day, sexual relationship after sexual relationship, one after another, all ending in crashing and burning. Something happens in your mind and spirit to cause you to respond that way. But you are not destined by our God to be a born loser. Our God restores, He heals minds, He heals hearts, He heals spirits. You are not destined to be a loser. 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed across the ocean from Spain into a new world. None of the leadership of his home country, Italy, or other nations in Europe believed that he could accomplish it. But Spain supported him. And he was convinced there was more. The thinkers of Europe said, nah, the earth is flat. If you go out and sail west, you're going to fall off the earth. The earth. There was this mindset in the hearts of the Europeans. It was permanently inked in their minds. They got set in their ways. And there to be lessons in this for everybody who can hear today. If you sail out too far, you're going to fall off into nothingness. But Christopher Columbus broke out of that mindset. And the motto of Spain was written on their banner in Latin, non plus ultra, meaning nothing beyond. That was their mindset. They believed it. Nothing beyond. There was nothing beyond what you can see. There is nothing out there. This is our world. These are the limits. There's nothing else. There's nothing beyond. But Columbus changed the thinking of all of Europe when he discovered a new world. Suddenly, Spain came up with a new banner. On it was a lion with one paw raised, sitting nearby a round globe. Why? Because of Columbus' discovery. And Spain changed their motto to... Plus ultra, meaning farther beyond. Sometimes people make their world so small because they are tattooed in their minds. And then they accept the position of a tiny point of view. And they never never allow the Holy Spirit to show them that they can go further. There's more for them. And their world becomes so small, they live from one bottle to another, from one high to another, from one party to another from one sexual relationship to another, and suddenly all you think is in this tiny little world that you've created. It's true spiritually, and it's true naturally. There are people who never see beyond the moment. There's nothing beyond. And that's why you tend to repeat the same failures over and over and over and over. And even though for a while you know, you see the dissatisfaction, And the emptiness and the unfulfillment. Yet you still buy into the lies of Satan that there's nothing beyond. And even though you're never fulfilling, you you still accept the lie because you come to believe there's nothing for you beyond this little trap you live in. And people get locked up in their minds. This is all I am. This is all I'll ever be. They can say it about themselves, they can say it about their family. Then they begin to say it about their whole community, and I have to just accept it. There's nothing beyond, it's the way it's always been, it's the way it's always going to be. In 1886, Walter George broke the world record running a mile. He ran a mile in four minutes, 12 and three-quarter seconds. In Stockholm, Sweden, in 1923, a man broke that record running a mile in four minutes and 10 seconds. It took 37 years to shave off two seconds. And for years, that record stood. But in the 1930s, there were two young men living in England, and they were diagnosed as having the same disease by their similar, same physician. And the doctor told both of these boys, you're never going to walk again. You're going to remain in wheelchairs for the rest of your lives. And one of those young men accepted what the doctor diagnosed. He never walked. The other man did not accept the diagnosis yet and even made this statement, not only will I walk, I will run. And he worked daily to get up out of that wheelchair. It was very hard. There were a lot of setbacks, little progress. took a long, long time. But even though he failed, he continued to press. He never stopped. Amazingly, his body began to unlock, and he began to walk, and eventually he learned to run. And history records that on May the 6th, 1954 in Oxford, England, Roger Bannister broke the record for the mile. For the first time, a man ran a mile in less than four minutes, three minutes, 59.4 seconds. He broke the four minute mile. He'd been told by his doctor, you've got a disease, you'll never walk, let alone run. And he became the fastest man in the world. When Roger Bannister did that, something happened to all the rest of the track stars in the world, because it had been previously tattooed in their minds that no one could run a mile in less than four minutes. But when Bannister broke through, suddenly the psyche of all the track and field participants began to change. And even though they'd been permanently marked in their thinking, saying, it's impossible, when Bannister did it, then they began to comprehend, it is possible, And then they were coached year in and year out, and they were thinking, because their coaches kind of preset them that way, no one has ever been able to break the four-minute mile. But there came the day when that permanent ink was blotted out. In the next four years, 25 runners broke the four-minute mile. And then in 1999, an individual ran a mile in three minutes, 43.13 seconds. There's power in obtaining a new mind. So go back to Bannister, the other man who had the same disease diagnosed. The doctor verified Bannister had the same identical disease, should never be able to walk. But he came the fastest man in the world. He refused to accept that in his mind, and he overcame. The other man, confined to that wheelchair, was eventually told, when we diagnosed you as a young boy, we didn't get the diagnosis accurate. Actually, you don't have that disease. And all these years he sat confined in a wheelchair because someone placed a permanent mark in his mind and he accepted it and wasted years of his life. The man Bannister who had the disease and wouldn't accept it became the fastest man in the world. Do not be overcome by the tattoo of Satan on your mind. He will tell you you can't live for God. He'll tell you you'll never be free. He'll tell you you'll never amount to anything. You're a born loser. He'll tell you your daddy was a drug addict and you're going to be a drug addict. That's all you're good for. There's nothing beyond... Parents were poor, you'll be poor, but you have to learn to refuse the label of the devil and turn to the God who restores. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So to blot out simply means when the ink has been put on the document, he puts himself on that document. And that ink is transferred off that document onto him. God knows how to blot out the permanent ink, to lift it off the page, leaving it unmarked and unstained. And what the enemy stamped onto you thinking it was permanent, God has blotted it out. The blood of Jesus Christ turns us from losers to winners. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The blood of Jesus turns us from whiners into climbers. We're called overcomers. We don't have to live with the label that the enemy stamped on us. But like Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God calls it the renewing of your mind. When the enemy seduces you into sin, traps you into a failure, then stamps that image in permanent, indelible ink on you, saying this is who you are, this is who you always will be, he plans that you will accept that, that you will receive that and accept it. But the word talks about the renewing of your mind. That's why when you gather here in church, you're shampooing your thoughts with the word of God. You're cleansing and renewing your mind. So if you see yourself as that person marred for life, stuck in your wheelchair, you're never going to get up, then you never will get up. But if you're renewed in your mind by the word of God, You do not have to accept your crippled condition. So I think of Moses. His mother reminded him every day, you're not an Egyptian. You're not an Egyptian. They've taken you into the palace, but you're not an Egyptian. You may become the Pharaoh, but you're not an Egyptian. One day Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he went to stop him and killed the Egyptian... Then he had to run for his life, banished from Egypt. And for 40 years, Moses goes to live on the backside of the desert. And who knows the labels that were tattooed on Moses' mind. For 40 years, he's reminded, look at what you had at your fingertips. You're a loser. It's too late. You're now 80 years old. You're way too old. God can't use you. You messed up. And this is where you're going to live out the rest of your life. But this, listen, Moses had an encounter with the God who restores and the God who spoke from the burning bush that that was on fire yet not consumed. And while hearing God speak to him, God began to blot out the permanent ink. And God began to renew the mind of Moses and the dream that he put in his heart. And God told Moses, you are my deliverer. You go back to Egypt and you tell Pharaoh, the great I am said, let my people go. So I'm speaking to somebody here today. The enemy told you you're too old. It's too much that's happened. God can't use you. Watch this. God has good stuff coming your way. If you refuse to accept the permanence of Satan's markings in your life and accept the God who restores. In Mark 5, the man possessed of a legion of devils is cutting himself. They could not hold the man in irons. 2,000 demons made him unrestrainable. And he was driven, out of control, couldn't keep clothes on. They couldn't chain him down. He lived among the tombs because death likes death. But one day Jesus sails up on the shoreline. And Jesus dispossessed the whole legion of devils with a command. And this man is now a free man. Listen, the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. I know the enemy had labeled him, permanently marked him. He said, what you will always be is a loser. No one's ever going to be a be around like an animal living in the cemetery. Out of control. Your mind is permanently scarred. And he was cutting himself. Listen, when you're doing that, that's self-destructive. There's demonic activity in self-destruction. And the enemy is inking your brain. It's causing a young lady to see herself in the mirror as ugly when she is beautiful. See distortions when there is amazing. And what happened? The enemy has inked her brain with permanent ink, but there is one that blots out that ink, blots out the failures, blots out the sins, blots out the guilt, lifts it off the page. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. He restores, and the possessed man was clothed in his right mind. Luke 15, the prodigal son, leaves home and leaves the faith of his family. Runs out of money, out of friends, and out of food, usually in that order. Personal famine arrived. And when someone leaves God, it's just a matter of time before the famine arrives. And the enemy permanently marked this boy's mind. He is a hog slopper, he eats from the pig trough. The word records that he had a thought one day. Bam. And in that thought, he came to himself. And as he looked toward home, he thought, this is what I will say to my dad. I have sinned against you. I'm not fit to be called your son. This is how the enemy had inked and marked his mind. Just let me be one of your servants. This is how the enemy had tattooed his thoughts. You're less than. You're a born loser. You're not worthy to be in the family. You're filthy the enemy had marked him. So here he comes back home in his filth, in his stench. And when his father saw him, because every day he'd step out on his porch, he'd look out toward the horizon in prayer that his son would return. He goes, all of a sudden he sees his son coming over the horizon and the father goes running toward his son. He invites him back into the family, gives him the family robe, the family ring, new shoes, and prepares the fatted, Calf, which is veal, scallopini, of course, fully restored. Hey, goes with the family, right? Your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Our God restores. Don't you allow the devil to permanently ink your mind, causing you to believe that while you're repentant and you're desirous of restoration, that you're less than a fully vested child of God. You're not just a servant. You are now his child, and he has completely restored you into his kingdom. The process of removing a tattoo can be very painful. Pastor Michael will explain that to you. (laughs) Laser removal. Two things happen. When you want to remove that tattoo, laser light is applied to it first on the surface of the skin, and then that light penetrates through the skin layer and begins to evaporate and literally boil the ink because the ink is embedded into the skin. So it takes the light from the outside to evaporate the ink. Then the blood in the capillaries below bubble up, and as it bubbles up a little bit, it restores the skin, brings life back to it. In the process, the tattoo ink that was there is erased by the light and by the blood. The two working together burn out the indelible ink so that the skin is restored. And as the markings are eradicated by the light and by the blood, so your sins that were permanently marking you get eradicated because his word is a light unto my path. His word is the light of him that has come out of darkness into light. And that word is knowledge. That word is light. That word burns out the sin. And his word is working on the outside, penetrating inwardly to our hearts. And the word attacks that which was marked on us. And the blood of Jesus from beneath rises within and responds and washes away the stain and restores you to new creation status that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow! You can't eradicate that sin by the law. You'll never eradicate it by your good works. You will never eradicate it by human effort or by your qualifications. It takes the act of His mercy and grace. What you cannot do... The blood will change your want to. The light penetrating from the outside, the blood washing from the inside, the wonder-working power of the blood of the Lamb, and out comes the guilt, out goes the condemnation, the self-loathing, and that image of a born loser is eradicated. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed." The blood of Jesus Christ eradicates, blots out permanent ink. Yeah, tattoo removal is a painful process. The removal of your permanent sin ink, the stain it's caused, is also painful. Painful for Him, not so much for me. He took our shame. He took our sin, he took our immorality, he took our iniquity, and he said, put it on me. You take my righteousness. You take my purity, I place it on you. And I have taken all of your shame, body pierced for you. Lifting the stain right out of the fibers of your life, transferred onto himself. And now he's scarred for eternity so we can be clean. He's removed every mark of the drug addict, alcoholic, and failed marriage. He's removed it. The light and the blood remove it. He restores us to original condition. Wow! Somebody ought to be shouting hallelujah in here today. There was an infant bear cub. It was captured and relegated to a traveling carnival And the animal was abused, as were many other animals held in captivity like that. And the bear grew to adulthood, living in a 12-foot cage. It would walk and pace all day long, morning to night, walking in 12 feet of space, pacing back and forth, swaying its head. And people would come just to watch this bear walk back and forth, confined in this 12-foot space, And they thought the bear was crazy and pacing and moving its head like that. And people can be very cruel. Some of them threw lit cigarettes at the bear, attempting to burn him, trying to break his cadence. And then some threw cut glass, broken glass into the cage, see if they could get him to stop pacing. And a man arrived one day and purchased the bear from the carnival owner, and he donated it to a zoo in Germany they took that bear that had been caged for decades in this little 12-foot cage, placed him into this huge open area of the zoo. There were trees there, there were caves there, and other bears that occupied the space, but it was a huge amount of space. No no bars were there to imprison him. He was not confined any longer. And documented on film, the bear, when let out of that 12-foot container just stood there. Cameras captured it. And after standing there for the moment, the bear went back to pacing and went back to swaying its head back and forth about the distance of 12 feet. And there were no bars to hold him. And the zoo owner realized that the bars were not metal. His bars were mental. And that's true of many people I wonder how many people do the 12-foot shuffle back and forth all their life because Satan has inked your mind to believe this is all you're ever going to be. You will always be addicted. You will always be bound. You'll never be free from your lusts or substance abuse or immorality. I want to declare to you today, God has something far greater for you than a 12-foot shuffle. There's light here. I'm declaring to you there is light here. And the blood of Jesus Christ has come to blot out your shame, condemnation, guilt of the past, and liberate you for your future. And here it is. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Amen. Amen. Mercy is the blood. Truth is the laser light. Combined together, sin is purged out of us. The blood of Jesus and the light of the word are the only things that remove indelible ink. You are then transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul said it like this But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Saul of Tarsus had a lot of things to forget. He held the coats of those who were killing the very first martyr of the church, Stephen. He carried papers with him throughout all of Asia. And he put into prison and through torture and death, every Christian he could find. And then as Paul, now he has to go back and preach to the same families of those he prosecuted, imprisoned, and killed for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. He goes on then to write half of the New Testament. Paul had to have the ink eradicated from his mind. Otherwise, the condemnation would have neutralized him for the rest of his days because Paul had blood on his hands. But from a little tiny dungeon hole in the ground outside the Roman Forum. In the dark, save for candlelight. He writes to the church of Philippi One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press. Because God will renew your mind, provide you the power to begin again. He eradicates ink labels. Our God restores. You can walk out of this building today saying, I've been cleansed by the light and by the blood. My past is over. And I'm free. Washed in the blood. I think everybody ought to be on their feet, praising the Lord today. Celebrating what Jesus has done. He blots out your transgressions for his own sake, for his own sake.